game. Good evening. It's time to pray America. Time to pray for America. Time to pray with America. And uh, we've been having a great time just uh, setting our heart to pray on certain things that are very, very vital to our country right now. And tonight we'll have a, a very special time. Uh, Peter and Lindsay Harrower is going to lead us in prayer as we pray for healthcare workers and give information what they're seeing as healthcare workers and, uh, and, and uh, give us some good feedback and some things that we can lean into and pray into. This is going to be a, a lot of informative tonight, so you know how to pray in coming days and weeks. But first of all, let's just uh, call on the Lord together, and then we're going to uh, enter into a time of worship and get our heart uh, settled before the Lord, get Him high up on the throne in our hearts as He should be. So let's just pray together. Father, we thank You for this night. We thank You for this opportunity. We thank You for the grace and the mercy that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you so much for the, the kindness that you have shown us through Jesus Christ, your Son. And we thank you that the good news is still good news. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that during times of crisis and panic, that you're still the calming presence in the midst of the storm. So we call on you tonight. We ask, Lord, that you would steady our hearts, that you would steady our country, and that you would put our feet on a rock as we return to you, as we cry out to you, as, as we humble ourselves before you and seek your face, give us great, great peace in the middle of a storm. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, Holy Spirit, lead us to worship Jesus. Thank you. Promise good to me. 
Shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. but very happy to be able to talk with you all and share with you today with my awesome husband. <laughs> um, I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I, I promise that God wanted me to be open and honest with you tonight about what is going on with our healthcare system, um, the healthcare workers, and what we're all dealing with with this recent pandemic. So I wanted to have just kind of an open and an honest dialogue with you to give you kind of an inside look at um, what you 
think you might know, but aren't quite fully sure about, just so we can be better praying for our healthcare workers and the healthcare system and those that are being affected by COVID. Um, so back in March, when this all kind of first broke out with COVID, it was very anxiety ridden, especially for those of us in the healthcare system. This was a new form of the virus that we didn't know much information about. Um, and we were kind of, to be honest, thrown into the situation. We didn't know how to technically be safe. We didn't know what equipment we would need, what protective gear we would need, what would at that time cause someone to be um, contaminated or infected or how everything was even spread at that point. We didn't even have a cure or know how to handle that situation. So it was very, very um, anxiety ridden. Even for me as a believer, it was nerve wracking. And I remember Peter and I would pray about it a lot when I'd come home from work each day um, about the situation and, and how fearful I was. And there was a lot of sleepless nights in the beginning of this process for me, um, as for many healthcare workers during the time. And I remember that I did share before that one night we had prayed before we went to bed and um, I had just asked God to be with me, give me peace through the fear. And I had had a dream, I had had a vision that night that, um, that was right around, I remember right around um, Easter with the Passover, just before the Passover. And before this, we didn't know that actual with COVID that antigens, antibodies from someone infected is what could save someone else. We didn't know that at the time, but God had given me this dream and this vision that because of his blood, I would be protected. And I had this vision of our home and that there were footprints that were Jesus's blood footprints all the way around our home. And what was interesting was that it always led with the right foot, which signified to me the right seat at the right hand of God, it was Jesus. And he wanted me to know it was his blood covering our home. And that because of that, we would be protected and we didn't have to live in fear. We didn't have to worry. And since that night, after that dream, I didn't have any more anxiety, which was amazing. And God led me to read um, Psalm 91, which I know Pastor Rich has mentioned a lot in the beginning about praying through, but I used to take that to work with me and I would pray it, I would read it multiple times in a day just to, to give me um, peace of mind to know that the Lord was with me and he was protecting me. So that was a godsend for me. So I do encourage you if you can to look up um, Psalm 91 if you can and read that. Um, yeah. So Another thing I just wanted to talk to a little bit about was just being empathetic, empathy for people in any situation. So I know it can be overwhelming sometimes when you are going through your own situation. It's hard sometimes to think about what other people are experiencing. And I know that this virus posed so many challenges in so many different ways to different people. A lot of people were worried about getting sick, might have lost their job or were unemployed for a short amount of time and were stressed financially um, or couldn't work or get to work and they wanted to. I know we dealt with that with Peter for a few months, he was unable to work, so we did live through that too. Um, but on the flip side, 
being in healthcare, I didn't have that choice. I had to go to work every day in the fear, in the unknown, um, which was overwhelming. Again, it was truthfully overwhelming. And I'll be honest that there were times I thought, I wish I could stay at home. I don't want to go out in this right now. So I just encourage you to think about, I know our own situations can be so overwhelming and we can we can get bogged down in that mindset of what we're going through, but just imagining what others are experiencing too is so important. And if you don't work in healthcare, it's hard to envision what exactly it is we're doing every day and what we're risking every day. Um, so yeah, just I, I, I urge you to pray that way just keep in mind even if you don't know how to pray for the healthcare workers or healthcare system just say god protect them you know anything simple that you can think of would be amazing um i did want to <laughs> i did bring a little visual um because i want you guys to kind of understand what it's like for us every day and what our patients are experiencing during this really challenging time. So I actually brought with me all of my full protective equipment gear that I have to wear with every single patient that I encounter. And I want you to just think about what my patients or our patients think or feel when they see someone come into their room like this. It, it really, it makes a, sta a statement. So I want you guys to kind of see this. So, yes. He just said, are these clean? Yes, they're clean. <laughs> all right, so first, of course, we all know the infamous mask. So, of course, we all have to, to wear the mask. Second is our eyewear, our goggles. Okay, and then we're gonna do our gown next. Okay, so your arms go there. He's never done this before. <laughs> He would have uh, foot covers on his feet, so his feet are covered. His gloves, it's up to you. And then the lovely face shield. All right, so it kind of looks like an alien, right? <laughs> it's, it's a little overwhelming, and you can't even see what shoes he has on, okay? So normally those foot covers are on too. So this is what my patients see when I walk into the room, <laughs> which isn't always pleasant. You look great, honey. Yeah, you look good. Um, <laughs> now you know what I look like when I work. So as, as, as we can joke about this right now and what he's looking like, what I see when I look at this is I think, look how dehumanizing this is and how impersonal it is. And I'm supposed to be coming in and providing you care, and you're supposed to trust me and be comfortable with me, and I look like an alien. So it's just kind of overwhelming, and I wanted you guys to see this picture because this is, this is it. It's not pretty. These things are not comfortable. They're very hot. You get sweaty and gross, and it's like a sauna underneath of there. But this is what we have to wear, and this is what we're instructed to wear with every patient. So you can take it off, but <laughs> I wanted you guys to kind of just get a bigger picture of what that's like. 
Um, I do want to mention, too, that with the healthcare system, a lot of people, you know, we, we all were working through it. We didn't get a day off. We actually got our vacation taken away from us because we couldn't travel and we couldn't be away. Um, but there was a lot of healthcare workers that actually had huge salary cuts. There was a massive cut of about 20% of salaries in the healthcare system. So even though they were out there working and they were risking themselves, especially in the beginning with the unknown, they were facing their own salary cuts. I was blessed enough to work for a Christian company and got a raise through COVID, which was a true blessing. But I was very much not the norm. Um, a, lot of, a lot of difficulties there for everyone as well. Um, and I do, I do want to mention that you guys have probably seen on the media that it's kind of scary, you know, it's overwhelming and they keep saying the numbers are on the rise, things are getting worse, you know, there's so many more cases. I would caution you that I can tell you my own experience. I have not seen a rise in cases. Um, I, I don't believe there's a rise in cases. Um, at my agency that I work for, we work in four counties, or I'm sorry, five counties in central PA, and we have not had a single positive case. And we are the ones, the only home health agency that is actually accepting COVID positive patients who are being discharged. And we haven't seen any. So, you know, if that even just eases your minds a little bit, I, I want to kind of avoid this fear and paranoia that when you watch the media, you watch the news, it can kind of make you very overwhelmed and, and I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. I do believe that, you know, God is, is taking care of this and protecting us. So kind of with all of that mentioned with the healthcare system, um, I would just pray that you consider just, again, praying for the healthcare workers for their continued strength and perseverance through this time. It has been very stressful. It's been very overwhelming. Um, but we need your prayers as well to stay encouraged. Um, I can say for myself, working in rehabilitation, I am used to always seeing improvement, positive things happening. Um, and that's not always what I'm seeing right now because of what's happening to patients. They're very depressed. They're very sad. Um, it's a very isolating time. And so I'm seeing a lot of discouragement, which is challenging for me to deal with because God equips me to be a positive force and I'm not always seeing that positivity come through. So it can weigh on you, it can definitely weigh on you. Um, and I just would ask, I think it would be great to pray for us because some of these patients we're working with have not seen their family in seven months. And we are the only people that they have seen face to face. So God gives us this amazing opportunity to be able to minister to them. And again, I'm thankful I work for a Christian company that I can pray with my patients. And I do pray with my patients because they need that encouragement. So just giving us the peace that when we walk into a patient's room that we know what to say to them. We know what God wants us to say to them or what they need to hear. So um, just that peace and um, encouragement, I think, would be very, very health helpful for the healthcare system, for the workers. All right. So the way Lindsay's coming about it is from her perspective, obviously, she is in the medical field. If you know me, I am not. <laughs> 
Um, so then what I'm going to talk about is kind of being the spouse with someone who's in the medical field. Um, so going through all this, the way Lindsay, for example, for me, she was going about it one way, getting how she had mentioned getting thrown into it before, not really knowing anything about what's going on. It's almost a new day, Monday through Friday, everything's normal for her except for all this craziness going on. For me, on the other hand, I was out of work two, three months, something like that. Um, so if you didn't know, I work from home anyway, so it was really nothing new. Um, so how Lindsay talked about it, it's like day to day for her, everything is normal out in the real world. For me, everything's normal being at home because that's how it is. Um, but then one, one of the biggest things I struggled with is being the man, being the husband, um, is knowing the fact that all this is all new, everyone's still trying to figure everything out, which I get, it's a unique situation we're in. Um, but the fact that Lindsay still had to go out and about and work every day, like she needs to. I mean, granted, you could say she did get into the medical field, this is what she wanted to pursue out of college, which I get that, that's fair. But the way all these circumstances came about, everything got blown out of proportion with all the craziness going on for a long time. She was terrified, I was terrified because she was working every day in this. Um, so it just kind of bothered me as the man and trying to be supportive and helpful, doing whatever I can. As she would come home from work, helping her pack her lunch in the morning, which I do every day getting ready for school, um, but just doing what I can to help out, but realizing what I'm doing is just a small little thing that's, yeah, she might appreciate it now, but not knowing or realizing that 20, 30 minutes, she's going out to the real world where everything is getting crazy right now. So that was one of my things is I kept just praying every day for her safety and her health, and obviously everyone else too, but mostly my wife is my main concern. Um, but yeah, just as much as I was praying for her safety and trying to support her that way, realizing how important health field is, the medical staff, and just how much we really need them, and in some cases, how much we don't appreciate them and show the respect that they get. Now, my sister's also in the medical field as well. She's in Lancaster now, um, but she's doing it from a different perspective different side than Lindsay. She works in the hospital every day. So we were hearing stuff from her, obviously, in a different way than what Lindsay was doing as far as home health. But yeah, that's just, it was kind of a reality check that I needed, but not the way I wanted it to come about <laughs> as far as her having to go out and work still every day while I was stuck at home not working. Um, so yeah, that was something I struggled with, but now here we are now. I've been working now the last couple of months, thankfully. And um, but yeah, that was just kind of my two cents about it. And yeah. Do you wanna? So we have a we have a verse to share that just kind of talks about healthcare workers, and then what we'll do is open up prayer for the healthcare workers. So we'll do a prayer first, and then if anyone else wants to to come in and pray as well. That would be great. Um, so the one verse that we found that we really liked was from um, Acts 20, verses, verse 35. Um, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay. 
So, okay. So, Father, we just come to you, and we we thank you that we know that you are our safe place, God. And we pray for all of those who have been exposed to the virus, who are currently sick, who have been sick, God, that you would just heal their bodies. And we, we pray for this country and this land, God, that you would just heal this land, heal our people, remove this disease, God, from our country. Um, help us to work together as a nation to, to see this happen and to come to you and to trust you, God. And we just pray for our healthcare workers and the healthcare system that you would give them the strength and encouragement that they need to keep persevering every day, to know that their work is not in vain and they are literally the guardian angels that are, are helping these patients and are giving them hope, God. So I just pray that you continue to um, fill and fuel healthcare workers' minds, hearts, and spirits so that they can continue um, pursuing the mission and that every patient that we encounter, God, you would just provide the right opportunity for us to bless them and just give all healthcare workers, God, just peace and renewing um, and that strength and encouragement, Jesus. really appreciate um, uh, Peter and Lindsay and their uh, honesty, and I know I put you in a, a tough spot there. You're not comfortable with um, standing in front of uh, people and sharing like this, but uh, Lindsay uh, said something to me earlier that I, I just want us to lean into and to pray about, if you would, for a moment. Um, as she was explaining how that um, some people see her, uh, she's the only one that some people are seeing right now. Um, and, and they're being completely isolated from everybody else, and she's in her protective gear and looks a little like an alien and feels bad wearing this, but to walk in for everybody's um, uh, safety and, and things like that. But uh, one, of the gal, one of the ladies had looked at her, and she said, you have such beautiful eyes. And she said, I, you, you look like an angel, you know. And um, Lindsay was able to relate that, you know, that the Lord had sent her there that day. Let's just pray for those who are feeling like they're in solitary confinement, uh, they're, they're just uh, isolated and separated. Uh, Father, I, I, I lift up my voice to you and I pray for uh, especially those who um, uh, may have already been in nursing care facilities or in some form of extended uh, care and those who are now um, isolated from their families, from uh, friends and uh, uh, from the people that matter the most to them. And the only one that they're seeing is, is people like Lindsay and, uh, and her coworkers coming in. And, and so, Lord, I am praying right now that you would just invade those hearts with hope and life and courage and reason. And I pray that this would be a time 
when many people who haven't known Jesus as their Savior would begin to call on the Lord. Many elderly people who had been uh, perhaps churched in the past or maybe they had uh, believing parents or or maybe they themselves at one time were believers and, and sort of lost faith and lost hope and lost courage along the way. And now they're in the declining years of their life and, and, and it's a confusing and difficult time. I pray that they would find hope in Jesus. We pray that you would use Lindsay and others like her and radio and television and the internet and whatever fashion or form you choose, begin to spread life to those who are waiting. For those who are waiting, I pray that you would begin to infuse life and purpose and meaning. Father, I pray for those who are especially impacted because they're losing their mental faculties or they're slipping maybe with dementia, maybe with Alzheimer's or something is robbing them of their memory and their understanding. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity to them and, and that their days would be filled with peace and life and love and joy and comfort. And we pray that they would be treated humanely and wonderfully. And uh, we pray, Lord, that the opening would come where family members can return and have contact visits and be able to, to touch them, to hold them, to hug them, to encourage them, Lord Jesus. We also pray uh, right now, Lord, that you would be with the person who has no one, no one left. There's no one left and no one, no one coming to visit, no one able to visit. But even if there were, there wouldn't be someone coming anyway. Father, I pray that you would send a Lindsay or someone like Lindsay. We pray in our hospitals for doctors and nurses, caregivers. Lord, even, even those who keep the building clean and safe, that there would be smiles on people's faces, that there would be joy in people's heart and a hope reborn and a, 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 a sense of your presence. Lord, I, I know that you are drawn, you are drawn to any time or any place where there is suffering and hurt and sorrow. So visit our hospitals visit our nursing homes visit Lord Jesus these special places that have been set up for screening and testing in a powerful way in a wonderful way we pray for doctors Lord Jesus who are doing exams and nurses who are attending to people and running tests Father, we pray for those who are overworked with billing and, and logistics and supplies and ordering. And the, we, we ask, Lord, for favor. We ask for favor in our health care system all across this country, starting right here in Pennsylvania, but continuing spreading throughout the country. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
We praise you. We exalt your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's another person I want to pray for. Lord, that would be the person who's fearful that they might have COVID or they're fearful that they are at great risk of getting it. Protect them, Lord. Shield them. Let this be a time when they understand from Psalm 91 that if we just close our eyes and turn our direction to you, shut the door, as it were, we're instantly in a secret place. And you said that those that would dwell in that secret place, that you would command a blessing to be released upon us. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are most fearful right now. Those most at risk. I pray for their safety and their protection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Give wisdom to the World Health Organization. Give wisdom to our own health agencies and government agencies that that guide and direct and affect the outcomes of our health care system and and the advice and the uh, and, and the information and the best practices Lord give wisdom give great wisdom and understanding we pray that you bring great clarity to those who have um, control over media and information and how it's released. Lord, you, you told us and you taught us that, that the truth would set us free and, and you're speaking of yourself and that is so amazing, such an amazing revelation that, that truth is a person. And I ask that the, the author of truth, who is a person, that he would step in the middle of our society and our culture and begin speaking truth into those who have responsibility and privilege and power to communicate. We pray great, great blessing on them. We pray over presidents and governors and mayors and congressmen and senators, Lord Jesus. Uh, we pray for leaders around our world. Uh, I, I lift up Israel right now. It's going through a special uh, time of lockdown again. And Lord, we pray um, that clear heads would prevail and, and that uh, you would liberate the land again from a, a plague. Father, we ask that you would give us great grace in this time of great need. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, if I may, I, as much as I've always asked you to root out corruption anywhere it would be found in the house of God, as much as we want full uh, disclosure and we want you to get to the bottom of corruption anywhere in the, in the, in the church, in the people of God, if there's any corruption at any place, but 
We also pray that if there is corruption and distortion at any place in our society that is exploiting a very deadly disease, Lord, we pray that you would expose the corruption and bring the light of day to it. Bring, shine the light of day to all lies, deceit, deception, and fear-mongering that might be occurring or is occurring uh, knowingly, not unknowingly, but knowingly with, with agenda. We pray, Lord, that you would expose the truth from the deception. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Search our hearts. Try us. Know us. See if there be any wicked way within us, Lord. If there's anything displeasing in us at all, Lord Jesus, if there's anything that is hypocritical about us, Lord, if there's anything about us, the people of God, and, and, and here in this great country, if there's anything about us, Lord, that, that needs your correction, we invite it. We would rather have your correction and your direction than to live deceived. We would rather have your correction and your direction than to live our lives deceived. So search us, Lord. Help us. Praise your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Lindsay, and I pray for her specifically. I thank you for her courage. I thank you for her testimony. And I pray that you raise up across uh, central Pennsylvania a thousand just like her that goes in every area of health care with the faith and the testimony of Jesus Christ in their lips and in their heart. So we pray for a thousand health care workers in central Pennsylvania to just begin bringing good news to people who desperately need it right now, whatever, whatever medical discipline it happens to be. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name. Maybe someone else wants to pray. That was a good segue because we had one more big talking point I wanted to kind of be honest and share with you is about how Pastor Rich mentioned um, how this is affecting the elderly. There's such a they tend to be such a forgotten group of people and they're so important and we're meant to respect our elders and, and care for them and the widowers and God talks about that so much in the Bible. Um, and this is probably what has affected me the most through all of this is just the sadness and the isolation that they're experiencing. Um, I don't know if many of you know, but you know, I don't just I don't just go out to private homes, but I go to facilities as well. And people may not know what's actually going on in these facilities. These patients, these elderly patients, are being completely isolated. They are not allowed to leave their rooms. It is like they are in a prison cell. And most of these rooms are maybe not even eight by eight in size. Um, they can't congregate, they can't talk to their fellow residents, they're not allowed to go to the dining hall together, 
every single thing that they do is in this maybe eight by eight size room. And it's just tragic. Um, and they are struggling. And in the facilities that I'm going to, I sometimes, myself and my one team member coworker, are the only people that they get to see this entire time. Um, if they have any threat of even being exposed to the virus or if they did, you know, have to go to the hospital for something else and come back, they're then put on full isolation where not a single person is allowed to enter their room for 14 days. Now, I'm allowed to go in and I insist on going in because I want to be with them, but they're just breaking down. Um, like Rich shared, today was the day that I went in with a patient and it was my first visit with her. I was evaluating her and she just kept looking at me so funny. And I thought, well, I know I look like a fool in this gear. Maybe she's just laughing at how I look or looking at me strange. But um, at the end, I just, I wanted to know. There was something that asked me, like, I need to know. So I said to her, is everything okay? And she looked at me and she said, you have the most beautiful eyes. And that's probably, I don't even know truly how she saw my eyes after you guys saw all the stuff we have on, but she said, they're so blue and you look like an angel. And I looked at her and I said, God wanted me to be here today. And she was on day 13 of her total isolation. So she hadn't seen a single person in 13 days. And just, I think it was maybe two weeks before that, I came home and told Peter I had worked in the facility and it was just a rough week for a lot of patients. There were three patients that I've worked with for several months who were doing really, really well rehab-wise, very encouraging. And in the same week, I think it was two days back-to-back -back actually, yeah, two days back-to-back -back that I went to visit and three patients sat me down and said, do I have to do this anymore? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, we just don't, we, we just want everything to stop. We don't want to do therapy anymore. You know, we don't want services anymore. We just want to go home and be with the Lord. And it's just heartbreaking. And I can share with them and say, you know, you can do this and I can encourage them as much as possible, but it is their choice and their right to do, you know, whatever they choose. And I try to encourage, but at the same token, would it really be that terrible to be with Jesus right now, you know? And when they're stuck in this room for seven months, not seeing a single soul, and they feel like they have no purpose or no meaning in life, it's heartbreaking. A lot of them don't understand technology like we do. Um, they, they try to do FaceTime phone calls and do video chats with their family, but most of them, unfortunately, are extremely hard of hearing and they can't even hear to communicate with their family member. They can do family visits, but it's through a glass. They can't touch, they can't do anything personal with their family, which is just awful. And that's really hard for family members who live far away, who wanna travel, you know, five plus hours to see their family member just through glass and they get maybe 10 minutes with them. So it, it really does kind of remind you about them being in prison. It just kind of seems the same. Um, and then I did have one other 
patient, just an example. And this one hit Peter pretty, pretty hard when I told him this one. But I just had a gentleman that I had been working with and I walked into his room and I started talking with him and he just looked at me and he kind of just dropped his face and he looked at me and he said, can you please just take off your mask and I can see your face? And he just started to cry and it made me cry. And <laughs> Peter will tell you, God has definitely made me a rule follower. I follow the rules. I want to be respectful. I want to do the right thing. But in these moments, I always pray, God, what do I do? What do you want me to do? And God said, take off your mask. And I did. I took my mask. And just the sigh, the, the breath he took when he saw my face was just, <sighs> just to see a person. So I just, I want to tell you these things so you can even just empathize what that is like to not see anybody. And I come in looking like an alien. Of course, he just wants to know I'm a human and I'm a human being. So I just wanted to share some of those personal stories with you so it could kind of connect better for you about how, how they're suffering. And through this, I mean, I've just prayed so hard through, through this with the elderly population. And... I really feel like God has just continually been telling me that we need to come together. It is so important, you know, with what is going on, you know, the adversary wants us isolated and separated from each other, but God wants us together. He wants us joined. He wants us united. He wants that fellowship. So we need to focus on that. So I just encourage you that try not to look at I know it's hard when we're in this pandemic and it's overwhelming to not look at the negatives, but try to focus on the positives that you can during this situation. Like, um, this is a one-time, one re like now, that has never happened before, where, where it feels like life is kind of slowing down. And that can be a huge blessing. Take that time to work on your relationship with God, connect with God again work on your marriage. We've had a wonderful time through this um, experience on growing and building the foundation of our marriage. It's been amazing. Connect with your family, your friends, you know, be intentional. God wants us to be intentional. So I just encourage you, if you know people that are elderly, if you have family members that you know are in facilities, reach out to them. Do what you can to support, even if it's just through your prayers. That's amazing. But just I just want you to be aware that this is happening and this is what's really going on for these people. Um, so yeah, and I had, we just had a couple, you know, Bible verses we had picked out about the elderly just to kind of get us to uh, think about them. So this was Psalm 71, verse do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. We have Proverbs 16, verse 31. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness.
In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. All right, so again, I'll just kind of start with prayer and then if anybody wants to um, join in and offer a prayer up, that would be wonderful. Oh, so Father, we just lift up the isolated, the scared, and the afraid right now, um, especially those that are in our elderly population that have seemed to almost become the forgotten, and we want them to know they're not the forgotten, God. We just pray that in whatever way possible, you provide them comfort. If it's, you know, healthcare workers that can visit them, spend a minute with them, and share their hearts with them, and even just look at someone's face, God. I, pr I pray that you provide those opportunities for these individuals to feel connected. And I just pray you be with them. And we know that if you are with us, we, we don't have to feel alone. We won't feel alone, God. So I just pray that you just completely surround these facilities, these homes of individuals that are living alone, who don't have family and, and or friends around, God, that you would just give them comfort, help them to feel safe, and to know that they have the most wonderful Father who loves them. We thank you, God, and we just pray. We pray for an end to all of this soon, God, so that we can all just continue to be unified, God, that you bring us together. You bring the unity and connection back together in our world. Help us to be intentional in our relationships with you, with our family, with our friends, with neighbors, anyone that we have within our community, God, that we just continue to build intentional fellowship and relationship for your will, God. Thank you for loving us and for always being with us. First of all, awesome job, Lindsay. You didn't look nervous at all. You did such a good job. You're naturally up here. You need to speak more. Um, a couple things when she was talking came through my mind. When she kept saying she looked like an alien. Oh, your doggy. <laughs> um, this virus is an alien, not you. I watch a lot of sci-fi movies, and um, this is an alien. It reminded me of the Andromeda strain. I don't know if anybody ever saw that movie. Um, but yeah, this virus is an alien, and it is from the pit of hell. God doesn't separate. This virus is trying to separate and kill and destroy. If it can't take us out with the virus, it's going to take us out emotionally. It doesn't want us to be together. It wants us to be isolated. This virus has to die. Every alien movie... There's an ending, and there's a victory. <laughs> We're going to have a victory over this. Yes, Lord, give the people working on this disease. You know the answer, Lord. 
you know how to end this alien disease that does not belong on this planet. It does not belong in our bodies. It wasn't created by God. Lord, show them how and what the cure is and how to end this once and for all. I know we're working on different injections and we're not sure or whatever, but let them know how this works and how to end it once and for all, Lord. The other thing um, the Lord's been um, talking to me about is the elderly. And I know Lindsay talked to me a little bit a while about what was going on. And I started thinking, we are one of the few countries that take care of our elderly. If you go to like Japan or China or these other countries, even just poor countries, parents live with the family. They are not taken somewhere. They stay with the family and are raised with, you know, and they help raise the children and the grandchildren. They're not sent off to health care. Sorry, I keep playing with your thingy. <laughs> it's her doggy. <laughs> um, and I know we think we're all civilized here, and this is the best. And I know a lot of people do want to go into retired communi communities. They don't want to live with their family. And that's great, because some retirement communities I'd like to go live at. But there are a lot that are put in. Now, I understand there's some that families just can't take care of, and I get that. But we have such busy lives. We so, in this country, love youth who have no wisdom at all, but we listen to them and what they have to say. When a 13-year-old girl is getting up and having a mic in front of all these people and telling us what we should be doing, I'm like, she's 13 years old, what does she know? I've been through 12 presidents. Can you believe it? I'm old. I have lived through 12 presidents. This girl has not even lived through one. I'm not saying what she's saying was bad, but we don't respect the wisdom that we've gone through, people have gone through. I look to older people, they know more than I do. They have been through it, they know what's wrong and what's right. Now that's not everybody, but elderly people have so much wisdom and so much is getting lost. I had, I remember my 90 year old neighbor lived in New Cumberland his whole life. He used to come out and tell me stories about how New Cumberland used to be when there was horses and there's nowhere to go find that. I was fascinated. We're losing our history when these people die. We just lost, I think, Jim would probably know. Did we lose, are we done with the World War II? Is there anybody still alive from World War II? There is, but very little, right? Oh my gosh. She said they're losing about 6,000 a day. So this is another generation lost. World War I is gone. I, I remember when I was younger, the first, the last person that was in the Civil War died. And I thought that generation is gone. And if we don't hear their stories and their life, it's gone. The Bible says to pass this down through the generations. Well, the elderly need to be able to pass this down. We need to have respect for our elderly again. We need to stop being so busy and not taking care of them. And I'm thinking so many of these people that are living on their own or in these homes maybe should be with their family but their families are super, so busy because both parents are working and the kids are in school there needs to be a change i'm not i, I really don't want to judge anybody because i don't know what everybody's house is like and what's going on but i think there needs to be a change and more respect for the elderly and not the youth and also just for our parents and it says it in the bible like Lindsay said so lord i pray for a change in this country. I don't know when it started switching, 
but for us to look to our elderly for wisdom, Lord, and to respect them and to take care of them. They took care of us. Every generation is built on the last generation. We're here because of the last generation. Everything that we have, all the technology we have, is because of the wisdom of the last generation. Same thing from the generation before that. Our generation is going to pass it on to the next generation. We're built upon each generation. You don't pull a generation out, and when we lose a generation, we lose a lot of information that's not written down, stories that are not told. So, Lord, I pray for a change for that, Lord. I pray that the youth will look to the older people, and that could be 10 years for them. Um, for wisdom, they don't have it in themselves because they're too young. I know they think they know it all. I did too. I thought I knew it all, but I don't. And looking back, I wish I had somebody speaking into my life. I probably would have made less mistakes or listened to more people. Lord, let them know they don't know and to look to the wise, Lord. And I had one more point. I don't think I remember it. I might have to sit down. <laughs> Hold on, I'll just ask the Lord. Nope, it's not coming, so maybe he doesn't want me to talk about it. So thank you, Lord. We just thank you for, oh, I know what it was. Just remember. I have been in hospitals. I've worked in hospitals. And um, there are nurses and doctors that are amazing, but there are some, Lord, that should not be in this profession. <laughs> I'm sorry. They might know what they're doing, but they don't have the patience. They don't have the kindness. They don't have the compassion. They don't have the heart. Lord, they're doing it for the paycheck or for whatever. Lord, I pray, and I know during this time it must be really, really strenuous, even for people like Lindsay and and Rachel and people who are nurses that do have compassion, it can be called. But I know these people that already did not have compassion probably are really taking it out on people. So Lord, I pray for compassion. I pray if people need to move out of these jobs, even though they're needed, Lord, because they're not helping patients. Lord, I pray they do look for another job, Lord. I think that's why a lot of people get bad names because of these people who are just in the wrong profession, Lord. It's a hard profession, Lord. And I pray for compassion to come up. And like Lindsay was saying, we're into our own thing, that they will see past what they're, they're don't see their family, they're working, they're, they're getting less money, to look at the patient, each person as a person, and take care of them the way God would take care of them. And I know this is a season, Lord, you are drawing people in. You're planting seeds. You're tilling soil. You're softening hard hearts. People are questioning, what if I die? Where am I going? Um, when is this going to end? Is this from God? Is this, this not from God? What is going on, Lord? They're all questioning, Lord. I pray every question leads to an exclamation point of Jesus Christ, and he is Lord, and he is over all of this, and we have to give our lives over to him to get rid of the question mark. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. John and Roxanne, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope you're on. Love you guys. You know I do. They got to go away this weekend for John's birthday, finally, and take some time, and now they're sick. <laughs> So, Lord, we just pray for John and Roxanne. Lord, whatever this is, is an alien and does not belong in their bodies, Lord. I pray as they sleep tonight, their antibodies and everything in their body, plus the Holy Spirit, is going to kill every germ that is not supposed to be there. So when they arise, they have a wonderful sleep, and they wake up and say, 
we are healed in Jesus' name. Let them not have this vacation taken from them by an illness. Satan, you are not robbing them of this peace that you gave them this weekend. Lord, you have jobs for them to do, and they're not going to be sick in Jesus' name. It's over. Thank you, Father. diagnosis that can be in children and adults. It's called failure to thrive. Um, it happens to children who are in orphanages because they don't get enough physical contact. Um, what it also happens is Lindsay's and elderly people. So um, we actually used to admit people to hospice for this. They, you can actually die from lack of contact, which I'm sure isn't a surprise to anybody. But um, So it is an actual life-ending illness. Um, psychosomatic maybe, whatever the root of it is. So I just want to take that failure to thrive that people are experiencing right now and we want to turn it into thriving, right? So who does that? <laughs> who does that? Jesus does that. So Lord, if you could just come into these people's rooms, just fall on them, give them a touch of your Holy Spirit, Lord, because that might be the only thing that Get, gets them through this. I don't know when it's going to end. I have a feeling that some of it is going to linger on in healthcare. Some of these practices are going to be adopted or going to try to be adopted long term. And Lord, I just, I stop that. I call for an end to this. And in the meantime, Lord, just, just come to them. Just be at their bedside with them. We want to turn their, this failure to thrive into thriving. That's what I got. 